I was getting outsmarted by the microphone. So there's a popular Christmas song. Maybe you've heard it already this year. It's called Mary Did You Know? And in this song, it contemplates what Mary may or may not know about her baby son, Jesus. Uh, A lot of different questions in the song. You know, the Bible offers glimpses into the lives of Jesus's earthly parents with no real explanation of why Mary and Joseph, out of all the people in the world who have ever lived on the earth, were chosen to care for the Son of God during his childhood. Uh, One thing, though, that these brief insights in Scripture reveal is that the people who were privileged to be an intimate part in the Messiah's early childhood all shared a common trait. Now, we're going to be talking about that common trait throughout the month of December. And in case you were wondering, that trait is obedience. You see, in the cases of Mary and Joseph, uh, of Jesus, the shepherds, even the, the wise men, we see examples of immediate obedience to the word of God. From the moment that the angel Gabriel shared God's plan with her, Mary was obedient to God's will in her life. Actually, I think one of the reasons that she was chosen and, as, as Gabriel said to her, uh, called her highly favored in God's eyes was because she was already living a life of obedience to God. And he blessed her for that. And now he also gave her strength. You see, from the conversation with the angel, uh, God provided some things to Mary. Uh, he, he provided strength in that conversation. He provided guidance and friendship to Mary uh, for, through Elizabeth, her cousin. Uh, this was a rough time in Mary's life. Have you been there? Have you had a rough time in your life where you, you needed some encouragement? You see, sometimes even when we're doing the right thing, it can be a rough time in our life. Sometimes doing the right thing, even when we choose to honor God, no matter what everyone else is doing, it can just be difficult to follow through with that good decision. And, and now today, Mary is considered highly favored by God. That's, uh, the, the angel Gabriel said that to her, but... But we today, we hold her in high esteem as the mother of Jesus. Uh, But back then, and especially by the people in her community, uh, even her family, she was whispered about. I I don't mean in a good way. She was whispered about. She was talked about. She was questioned, her morals, her ethics, by the people that were close to her. And, And yet God gave her assurance. God gave her friendship in her relative Elizabeth. And God gives us guidance and friendship and encouragement today. Consider this for a minute. Mary's response to the angel Gabriel's message that she, an unmarried virgin, would conceive and give birth to the Son of God. That was the message. He said, hey, this is, this is what you're going to do. The only question she had was about the physical possibility of it. She, she said, how could this be? Her... She humbly receives Gabriel's explanation. And then she declares herself to be God's servant who would accept his will for her life. She didn't utter a word about needing to discuss it first with her fiance, Joseph. She didn't say to Gabriel, this sounds really nice, but let me go talk with my parents to see if I should do this thing that God has asked me to do. She didn't consider, she didn't toil over the positives and negatives to see which outweighs the other how this turn of events would even impact her life. Maybe her personal goals as a young woman or her personal goals or her community reputation. She didn't consider any of that. Her lips merely formed a reply of immediate obedience. She said, let it be to me 
according to your word. They, but don't take my word for it. Let's see what God's word says about this significant act of obedience that led to unfathomed joy. Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38 says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, this is her only question, how will this be? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who also was called, or who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Say that real quick. I just, I just want to make sure everybody's on the same track with me. For nothing will be impossible with God. All right, now we're going to do it all together. So I got you warmed up. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now we just read, and prior to reading it, I discussed a little bit of this. Uh, it's because of how Mary lived her life that she found favor with God. But that brought up another question in conversation. And Mitzi and I were talking, and I've, I've asked this question of some other folks. What... What does favor with God mean for us today? What does that look like? Is his favor available to us today? And so I want to simplify some things a little bit. Uh, I want to, I'll break it down. My understanding of, of what I've studied and looked at. God's favor or God's grace is God giving us the ability to do something which for all practical purposes is humanly impossible for us to do. Uh, for example, Mary receiving the ability to become pregnant with Jesus uh, would be God's favor upon her. And so how does that apply for us today, right here, right now? I think that it's only by God's favor because of Jesus that we can experience eternal life. It's only by God's grace that we have the ability to live for the Lord. Should we even seek to find favor with God? That's another question. Is that, should that even be something that we try to do? What does that look like? How do I receive God's favor? How do I get into God's favor? And in looking into that, I came across Psalm 18. And so I just want you to write that down, Psalm 18. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to read about it here in just a second, some parts of it. But Psalm 18, I think, um, gives us encouragement there. It's, it's a psalm that David wrote. It's given to us by David. And in these first 19 or so verses, David describes this, this desperate prayer that he has. He writes the words of this song to the Lord, if you will, on a day when God has delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies. 
he's had a really rough day. It's been a rough series of events, and God has delivered him, and he writes this psalm, and, and he, he actually has delivered David from the hand of Saul, who'd been, been, been hunting him and wanting to kill him. And so I want to encourage you to read this psalm in its entirety sometime this week, uh, especially if you're in that place where it just kind of seems like the deck is stacked against you. Because we can take comfort and guidance in these words in the same way that Mary received uh, encouragement and comfort in, in Elizabeth's words. And so here, so in the, in the beginning of this psalm, in verse 6, David says something like this. He says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. Have you been there? Have, have, you, have you been there? Have you had that frustration? Have you had that season? Have you had that moment? Have you, have you had that year? Yeah, it's called 2020, in my distress, I'm crying out to the Lord. And then the next several lines of this psalm indicate this conundrum where David was. And he writes about things like this. He says in this psalm, he, he uses these phrases, these words, pangs of death, the floods of ungodliness, the snares of death, even the sorrows of Sheol or the grave. He talks about how, how the, he can feel the sorrow of the grave pulling at him. And it's no wonder when you read Psalm 18, it's no wonder that David is crying out to God. The pressures of life that he is describing here, as I would say it's just about as much as anybody could handle. Have you been there? Like David, have you, have you been there like a, a young pregnant Mary, questioned by everyone, whispered about by others, feeling utterly alone? Are you there now, Christian? Are you on the verge of just feeling like you're losing your mind. Nothing's going right. You're on the verge of just thinking you're going to lose everything else right here at the beginning of this season where we should be reflecting on God's love and his care and on his favor for us. Do you feel like you're just holding on to the end of the rope? The next few verses in this psalm read almost like a incredible supernatural adventure movie. I know, I have an overactive imagination. Uh, you hear this cry of David, and he's crying out about how bad things are. And then the next half is God literally releasing the very resources of heaven in response. I want to read these to you, verses 7 through 15. And I want you to seek comfort knowing that, that God regarded David's obedience, and that, that God restored David here, and God brought him joy Listen, this is the response. This is how it took place. Then the earth reeled and rocked and the foundations, also the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. Are you, are you picturing this in your mind? He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens and the Most High uttered his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Talking about David's enemies. 
Then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world laid bare at your rebuke. O Lord, at the blast of, your, of the breath of your nostrils. You hear all that? Can, can you just visualize the drama, the display, the strength, the power, the spectacle of God, of how God answered David's cry for help? Verse 16 through 19, I'm going to summarize these for you because they narrate God's amazing answer to this prayer. He delivered David from the calamity of the situation, from all that stuff that David talked about in the beginning. And he rescues him into a broad place of safety and security. In my mind, the connection point here, the most remarkable section of this entire song, if you will, is the last verse of line 19. David writes this. He says, he delivered me because he delighted in me. Folks, when it comes to God's favor, he does not work exactly the same way with us today as he did with David or Mary or others that we read about in the scriptures. But I think that the, the reason we can personally experience God's favor today, or as the songwriters put it, God's amazing grace, is because he delights in us. We are created in his image. He delights in us just like you delight in your own child when they're a reflection of your family and your family values. Let me be clear. God's favor is totally and unequivocally undeserved and unmerited by us. And there's nothing we can do to earn or, or bring on his favor. He supplies us with his favor. He, his grace is totally supplied at his initiative. And it's only because of his love for us. That's exactly why verses like John three sixteen describe God's love as a gift for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life God loves us because it is in his character to love he does it because he wants to and when we are obedient to his love we will find joy in our life no matter what the situation is around us it, David is an example of, of, a, of a man being after God's own heart and I would dare say that Mary is a great example of a woman being after God's own heart, which brings us back to this opening statement. Mary is obedient to God. She's obedient to God before Gabriel visits with her, and even more so at the end of their conversation because she simply says, I am the Lord's servant. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you had a conversation with God and you were so blatantly obedient to God and his will in your life, like Mary was. I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be as you have said. No, no, no other questions. Not, not well, 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 I'll need this to make that work or, or, or this needs to happen in order for me to do that. In order for me to submit to your will, I need to do these things. When was the last time you were just blatantly obedient to God like Mary? Not asking how or why or when, but simply trusting him knowing that he will do his part so that you, without question or hesitation, are obedient in your part. What does that kind of obedience look like for us today? I want to look at the rest of Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 39 through 45 because for Mary, that obedience, that unquestionable obedience, included a visit to her cousin Elizabeth. Listen to how this went down as she went. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now we're, we're not talking about, and I've never been pregnant, 
okay? I've looked pregnant from time to time. I've never been pregnant, but you see the baby move a little bit. You see like a little hand kind of move, or you see it's, the baby leaped in her belly. That's a, that's a movement. That's like a, whoa, whoa, hey, <laughs> did you feel it? You could have felt it. Mary knew something was happening, and she exclaims with a loud cry. Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And then Elizabeth says this to Mary. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That wasn't just little baby John rolling around a little bit. He was, he was saying, hey, that's why I'm, that's why I'm here. And here's, here's, I want to talk about that for a second because here's the thing. There's Mary, this young woman who's being questioned by everybody. You know how community is. You know how family is. You get, you get that one cousin that, that maybe does something wrong. And back in the day when I was a kid, people would be like, oh, he joined the service. Join the service was code word. If they were somebody who was on the edge, on the fringe of society, joining the service was code for they went to prison. Okay? They said that a lot in some of the towns where I grew up at. Oh, they're, they're away. They're away. And so here's Mary who becomes pregnant. And, and we're going to talk about her exchange with Joseph next week. But the family doesn't get it. Parents. Where are my parents and grandparents in the room and at home? Your, your early teenage daughter comes home and says, Hey, I have some, some news I want to share with you. I'm pregnant. Isn't that great? I'm pregnant. Wait, wait, you're engaged over here. You're supposed to get married. What do you mean you're pregnant? But it's okay. God put the baby in me. It's Okay. Now, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a neighbor, as a concerned uncle, cousin, neighbor, what, what are you thinking? What are you really thinking? Nobody wants to say it, but you know what you're thinking. Don't, don't blame your insolent pregnancy on God. Who do you think you are, girl? No. You know that's what people were thinking. And that was a time... When family actually mattered, when, when community mattered. Today in our society, that doesn't always seem the case as much as it should be. But here's, here's Mary who, who has endured some things that the Bible doesn't go into detail. We can only imagine, and, and that's, I have to make that disclaimer. This is my imagination because of what I understand of, of culture and history uh, back then, okay? So I'm not talking bad about Mary's mom and dad, and I'm not saying her grandparents disowned her or any of that. I'm just saying people are going to question that, especially when you say, God did this. And so she's, she's in this place, and what I just read says, but in haste, she went to be with Elizabeth. And she's, she's going, and it's a journey. It's not like you're going to jump in the car and just drive around the corner. Ding dong, ring the bell. You're loose. This takes a little while. And she gets there, and she, she, the greeting is, hey, I'm here, Elizabeth. And she says, when I heard the sound of your greeting, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That's the best news Mary has probably gotten in a while. It was, it was, it was, it was affirming what the angel Gabriel said to her. It was encouraging to her, because then Mary, uh, Elizabeth says this, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And, and Mary, who traveled this way by herself, who, who arrives at Elizabeth's house probably a little worn out, physically, mentally, emotionally, maybe even to a point where she's questioning 
the realness of what's happening. And Elizabeth says, not only did the baby in my womb leap for joy, but blessed are you because you believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to you from the Lord. Folks, Mary was devoted to the Lord before the angel Gabriel came to talk to her. And that's something that I think we can all work on. I think that devotion is about obedience. Hear me out. Too often we mistake religious feelings with a devotion and obedience. But real obedience is about being faithful to God no matter what anyone else is doing. We see this clearly in Mary's story. We've been looking at it in Luke, in chapter 1 of Luke, and it's in some of the other Gospels as well. But despite being greatly troubled at the words of this angel, Mary, her response shows great faithfulness and devotion. She's not afraid to voice her questions. She asks, how can this be? And in the end, she chooses obedience. Now, like Mary, we don't have to have all the answers to say, I'm the Lord's servant. If God has put something on your heart, a direction, a purpose, a, a, an opportunity, that's, that's what faith is all about. Stepping out in obedience, especially when we don't have all the answers. Faith is all about stepping out in obedience, especially when we don't have all the answers. You see, when we are devoted to our God, when we are obedient, we will continue, or excuse me, He will continue to do His part. He will provide for our needs through our obedience. Mary needed a friend. A young betrothed woman is pregnant. Her story is not readily believed by her family, her fiance, her community. And we know from studying the culture, she would have been shunned by society, by her community, which again, that community was largely made up of extended family. She's questioned by Joseph. We're gonna look at his, his, his purpose in this and his obedience next week. What does she need at this time in her life? She needs encouragement. She needs a friend. She needs a mentor. She needs someone who believes what she's going through. And our God does his part. He provides Elizabeth. And it all comes down to simple obedience and faith. Mary demonstrates the power of devotion to God. She demonstrates for us reverence for him. Pure faith, if you will. When you look at her accomplishments, it might not seem like she did all that much. But know this, Mary's single act of obedience changed the course of history. And through her obedience, she found joy that she never imagined. Sometimes the most profound thing we can do with our lives is to wholeheartedly say, I am the Lord's servant, no matter what. And then live that out, doing whatever it takes to get the job done, if you will. As we come to our response time this morning, the question I have for you is simple. What will it take for you, like Mary, to say, I am the Lord's servant? Maybe for you, the first step is to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe the first step uh, for you is, is it's, maybe it's just it's a commitment to reach out and, and invest in someone uh, disciple them, mentor them, encourage them the way that Elizabeth did with Mary. Maybe it's time for you to walk away from some of your cultural and family and community expectations and, and for a season of your life, do what God expects you to do before you do what everyone else expects you to do. And, and like Mary, trusting that God's grace and God's favor will be exactly what you need when you need it because that's what she did. But whatever your response is this morning, will you stand with us and sing our response song and respond to God's word accordingly?
great to be here with you all this morning to be here with you in person on our live stream i love getting together with everyone but now it's time for us to go to win and commit to grow as you go this week go being willing to do your part to be after god's own heart go like david go like mary go like elizabeth like joseph like the shepherds the wise men go with a desire to be obedient to god first no matter what and you too will find that obedience to god is what brings us the most joy. Will you sing this last song with us? <laughs> 